0: Once again, everybody, we are powered up and ready to go on this latest edition of Gun on One, the podcast. It is brought to you by Patterson Square Garden. You know, a few months ago, we, we didn't think it was possible. We almost thought it was laughable that we would be talking about the Eagles in the playoffs. But lo and behold, here we are. The Eagles, after week 17, have clinched a playoff spot. And as we all know, once you get to that second season, anything goes. So I brought in a guy I have a lot of respect for. We've been friends for a long time. I know you love him. You listen to him on his Ross Tucker podcast, and i follow him on all his social media platforms, Ross Tucker at NFL. Ross, man, how you doing, man? It's been a long time since we've chopped it up. Yeah, D-Gun, I'm doing great, man. Good to see
2: you. Good to talk with you. Good to hear from you. And yeah, I mean, if you would have told me three weeks ago, not just that the Eagles make the playoffs, but that. The big talk this week would be whether or not they should rest their starters in week (laughs) I mean, man, I wish I would have been able to bet on that or something uh, a few weeks ago. It's just unbelievable to think after that Giants loss that just three short weeks later that they could actually be going ahead and and theoretically resting their starters. And I, I know Nick Sirianni said recently that They're going to talk about that and think about it. And that's a whole other discussion. But yeah, what a a job by this team to get to the point where they're nine and seven going into week 18, which still sounds weird. And they've already clinched. Just remarkable.
0: You know, when they were two and five, I'm thinking, okay, we're just going to play out this season and hopefully we see progress from players. And as you just alluded to, when they lost that game 13-7 to the Giants, At that stage of the season, when you're looking forward, what are you thinking first and foremost?
2: Well, I thought that they had a tough schedule early, and I thought that they would get better in the second half of the year and that we would feel better about everything. That's not the same as thinking that they would be 9-7 and necessarily with a chance at 10 wins and making the playoffs. But I certainly thought... Their schedule would soften up and that they would look better in the second half of the year. But when they were two and five, I think I had a lot of the same questions everybody else did. I mean, you know, I'm from the area, Derek. So all my buddies, I'm on all the text message threads. You know, they they don't they don't leave me off them just because I used to play. They don't leave me <laughs> off them just because I'm in the media now. In fact, I know for a fact those guys leave me on them because they want me to know what they think. They think I care about what they have to say. But, man, some of them were saying this will be Sirianni's only year. Uh, They were saying worse about Jonathan Gannon. I mean, they thought it would be Sirianni's only year. They thought Jonathan Gannon shouldn't even make it the full year, back when every
0: quarterback was completing 80% of their passes. Pretty remarkable to see where they are now. All right, so you brought up Nick Sirianni's name what has impressed you most about Nick Sirianni and his ability to adapt on the fly as the season progressed? Yeah, I think, uh, I
2: think exactly that. Um, And I would say that for both Sirianni and Jonathan Gannon, but you know, people have a tendency, a strong tendency to lean into what they know, what their background is. Like, d if I was a coordinator, we would run the rock, man. You know what I mean? Like, we would run the rock. I played offensive line. Like, that's what we I was going to say, why why am I not surprised you say that? Yeah, but here's the thing. Sirianni was an All-American college wide receiver. And look at where he's been. You know, the Chargers throwing the ball over the place. Then he's with the Colts last year with Rivers. You know, they're still throwing the ball a lot. And I just think that he thought that that was – you know, what his expertise was. I think he thought that was what he knew the best. I think it took him a while to say, all right, that's not my job as a coach to show how smart I am or do what I want to do. I got to do what this team does best. And you want to talk about what seemingly is a total 180 to just lean on the run game the way they did. Some of the run plays that they've incorporated It's extremely impressive. Um, You know, they're blessed. They have three uh, truly special athletes at center in both tackle positions. I'm talking rare, rare guys. And then I think Jeff Stoutland and Howie Roseman deserve a lot of credit for what they've gotten done at guard. I mean, you know, they've played six starting guards, and those guys have all gotten it done, none of them have been the reason why they haven't been
0: able to win games or keep the running game going. Mm. Eagles have won four in a row. They've won seven of their last nine. But there's a contingent of people out there that say, well, look at who they've beaten. They haven't beaten a quality opponent. You look at who they've beat up on to get to this point. And so I ask you, as we now look ahead to beyond this last regular season game, is, is that kind of like a false sense of hope of what this team could possibly do in a playoff format when you're talking about the likes of and the caliber of opponent they could play that first round?
2: Well, look, they're going to have to play a better team than they've been playing. Um, And we might not get a chance to see what they can really do against a good team like Dallas on Saturday night because they very possibly could rest a bunch of their guys. And maybe that's the smart thing to do. So, we might not get a chance to see how this group does against a better team until the playoffs. That said, these are still NFL teams, right? Like the Detroit Lions have won a couple games, Eagles beat them 44 to six. Um, you know, the Denver Broncos are a 500 ball club. Eagles went out there and beat them 30 to 13. You know, you can say, oh, the Saints aren't that great without uh, Breeze or Jameis Winston. They shut out Tom Brady and the Bucs. They beat them 9-0. So on some level, you got to look at it. The Jets have a couple big wins on the year, including beating the Titans, and the Eagles beat them 33-18. So while I will agree that the Eagles haven't gone out there and exactly beat a murderer's row, you're talking double-digit win, double-digit win, double-digit win. Now, Sunday against Washington – They got off to a slow start again. They had to gut it out, but they got it done. But you're talking double-digit wins against teams that have shown they can beat other good teams. You still got to go out there and do it.
0: Um, Would you rest the starters? When you look at this Eagles team, it's a young team, a lot of young players evolving. Uh, Your quarterback, Jalen Hurts, continues to get better each and every week, but he's still evolving in this offense. I understand you run the risk of possibly getting some of your frontline players hurt in what could be a meaningless game for them. But would you rest your your players uh, on Saturday against Dallas? So I
2: really think this is. The, I don't have a strong opinion on this. Um, I I I can see the argument either way. The where the way the place I've always landed though, Derek, is two things. One is, in my mind, you only really look bad or stupid if one of your best players gets hurt in a game that doesn't really have meaning the other thing is i go back to when i was a player and if you said to me before a game all right ross you're playing the buffalo bills this week or whatever you can be a little stronger a little faster your arms can be a little bit longer a little bit quicker uh, every time d i would take just let me feel a little bit better just let me feel a little bit better than I do. Because this the mentality when you feel better, it's just awesome. So whereas the Eagles are on a roll, and I think you can make the argument of you want to keep that going and you don't want to have anything that would slow it down. You know, the bye didn't hurt them when they got it back in December, you know, between the Jets and Washington games. That didn't slow them down. And I would want all of those guys, especially Kelsey and Fletcher Cox and the guys that are up there 30 years old, I want them to feel as good as they possibly can for that playoff game. That's what I want. Um, And get some of these other young guys a chance to see what they can do. There's a lot of value in that too, you know, for next year and for depth. There's only so many guys on the practice squad and the roster. You can't sit that many guys, but I would get my star players and my older players out and make sure those guys are a hundred percent for the playoff games. You're going to have to play somebody good.
0: Hey, can their formula of ground and pound first and foremost uh, be successful in the second season, especially when you, play, when you play teams like Tampa Bay, Rams, possibly Dallas, who can not only run the football, but they can air it out with the best of them. Uh, it seems like the more diversified offenses are the ones that have the most success in the second season. Yeah,
2: I mean, look, I, I would lean heavily on kind of what got you there, and that would be okay. running the football. But I was really impressed with Jalen Hurts. On Sunday, really impressed. He has clearly gotten better and he made a bunch of clutch throws. I would still try to run it as much as possible. Um, But I I wouldn't, by the way, I wouldn't play Jalen Hurts against the Cowboys. Okay. I I would want to, like Minshew's good, first of all. And secondly, I want Jalen Hurts to feel as healthy as possible. I want that ankle to be 100% because we might have to have him run a lot in the playoff game, again, no matter who you're playing. So I think they'll be heavy run because whoever they're playing against, the offense is good. Now, now the Cowboys have been a little bit shaky lately, yep. but the offense is going to be good. So I want to kind of play keep away and run the ball as much as possible and mix in just enough Jalen Hurts passing, which has been timely and really gotten better down the stretch.
0: When you look at defenses they could face like Tampa Bays or let's say the Rams, you know, those are very stout defenses. If, if, if those type of defenses force this Eagles team to pass more than they can run, can the Eagles be successful considering run the running game is what got them this far? The, their passing game has not been as potent as the running game. Well, so first of
2: all, nobody has really stopped the running attack since they committed to it. Even I remember I called that first game against the Bucks that yep. Thursday nighter. D-gun, in the second half when the Eagles said, you know what? Let's actually try to run. They were able to run it. If you remember that they no they didn't even That's try right. in the first half. Right. Out they're like, "Yeah, oh, let's at least try it." And it worked. So I I actually think no matter who they go against, I think they can run it or at least need to try. They need to the other team needs to prove they can stop it cuz every team that plays them, the Giants, Jets, Washington, all these teams they've played lately, the same they all have the same idea, which yep. is stop the run, make Jalen Hurts beat us, and they still haven't been able to stop the run. You know, they all go into it with the same mentality. That said, I do believe that the way the offense is going right now, I think Hurts can get it done. I think he has to throw the ball. The plays Devontae Smith is making, what we've seen from Dallas Goddard, hopefully getting a healthy Miles Sanders back for the playoffs out of the backfield, what Boston Scott has shown, I think the passing game – has made significant strides the last few weeks, primarily because of Devontae Smith, Goddard, and Jalen Hurts. That, I believe those guys can make enough plays in the passing game that if it comes down to it, the
0: Eagles can win throwing the football. You know, the passing game doesn't work unless the guys up front protect the guy trying to step back and pass. Does Jeff Stoutland get enough credit for his ability to make all of his offensive linemen interchangeable parts? When we look at other teams... A lot of times when they lose their front line linemen, there's a severe drop off and you see it. But when it comes to this Eagles offensive line, year in and year out, it seems like every year of the last three, four years they have issues in terms of health along the offensive line. Stouton plugs these guys and plug and play and they don't miss beat. Do do we give Stoutland enough credit for his ability to get these guys coached up to be versatile offensive linemen?
2: No, I don't think we do. I mean, in general, I would say we spend too much time on coordinators and not enough time on position coaches. You know, Gunner, I had nine O-line coaches in the NFL. Nine. And I can talk to this. There's a big difference, man. I'm not going to call out guys, but there's a big difference between the good ones and the bad ones. I mean, I I remember one year in Buffalo – I'll even use a different position, the running backs. we The running backs in one year in Buffalo, when I was playing up there, they had no idea who to block. It was a disaster. Oh, geez. The next year, it was the same guys, Willis McGahee, Travis Henry, but we had a new running back coach, and those guys were on it. I mean, those guys were on it. So I think position coaches have a lot more value and make a much bigger difference in general than people realize. And I do think, I don't know what it's like in other cities, but I do think in Philadelphia, people have recognized that with Jeff Stoutland, with the way they've run the ball this year and having, you know, they've been without their top three guards a lot. At times, their top four guards. And to still keep it moving, it's really
0: impressive. What has impressed you the most about the maturation of uh, Jalen Hurts?
2: Probably exactly that. Uh, probably his maturation. Okay, you know he does a nice job for the most part of knowing when to throw the ball away, uh, knowing when to eat it. Now he has had a couple, you know, fumbles where you're like, and and Sirianni, I love when Sirianni yelled at him, and Hurts is like, "Yep, you're right." You know, like, <laughs> it's like, you know, that used to happen all the time. You do something really stupid, the coach yells at you, and you say, "Yeah, you're right." But we, we've lost that for some reason. But I just think the way he handles himself. I mean, how about, this is kind of stupid, but how about when the railing come, came down at FedEx Field and Hurts yeah. just slides to the right ever so subtle like he's in the pocket getting pressure from the left and then immediately puts his arm around the Philly fans takes the picture. I mean, what a... Le- like, like, if he becomes something special, that will be a legendary moment. Like, he does that nice little shimmy to get out of the way. Can you even imagine, by the way... I mean, I played in Washington twice. Started yep. my career there, finished it there. Can you even imagine if he got hurt in that situation? Oh my goodness, I mean, that, yes. that would be all we would talk about for months. And everybody, every fan, every Eagles season, everybody would sue Washington. I mean, Dan Snyder might have to finally sell the team,
0: which if you're an Eagles fan, <laughs> you definitely don't want to have happen. <laughs> hey, how would you categorize Jonathan Gana's defensive style? Um, I- I'm still trying to get a grasp on it. Um and you have a better insight about this kind of stuff than I do. So I'm going gonna, gonna to put the ball in your court. So teach me something about Jonathan Gannon's style of defense because he still frustrates me in a lot of ways, the way he attacks or approaches an offense.
2: Yeah, I think uh, if you're from around here and you've watched the Eagles for a while and you're used to Buddy Ryan and you're used to Jim Johnson, it's a, it's a little bit more passive. It's a little bit more passive. I think... A lot of these young guys, they have done the research and their belief is that the way you give up points is by giving up chunk plays in the passing game, right? Mm -hmm. Explosive Mm -hmm. plays. So start there and then picture designing a defense where your goal is to give up as few of those as possible. That's what it seems like to me when I watch them, right? Two deep safeties a lot. You know, a little bit softer coverage. They, they have decided we are not going to give up big plays in the passing game. Yep. Uh, now, the flip side is it feels like at times it's like death by a million paper cuts. And even <laughs> Heineke in the first half was like perfect. He had three incompletions, but one he threw away and one he spiked. You know, I mean... It's frustrating to see these quarterbacks having so much success completing passes because we're used to back in the day, we're going to get after the quarterbacks, you know what, and he's going to be hit, we're going to get some sacks. Now, he might get a couple big plays, but we'll live with that. It feels like Gannon doesn't want to live with that. He doesn't want to live with the big plays. And, man, it's kind of hard to argue with – the success they've had in terms of the points they've allowed. I know it hasn't been a murderer's row, but you're talking about, you know, six points and 13 points and 13 points again and 18. I mean, you're holding everybody under 20. I don't care who you're playing. That's pretty good, man. These are NFL yep. teams. You're holding under 20 points. All
0: right. I-, I will say this about Gannon's defense. The fact that he took TJ Edwards and moved him to the middle it seems like it stabilized that defense. One simple move helped stabilize that defense. Would you agree with that? It's had a huge impact.
2: And, you know, this is a big pet peeve of mine. It's why it bothers me when people say they don't care about the preseason games. First of all, preseason games are awesome. I'm on TV. You should watch them because I'm the one doing them. <laughs> and then <laughs> number two, I feel like we've learned a lot. Look, the last couple years in preseason, his rookie year, Last yeah. year, TJ Edwards out there making every tackle, and I'm loving him. I could tell that he had great anticipation, uh great ability to key and diagnose what the offense was doing. I get so sick and tired of the combine numbers. Oh, but his 40 time. Right. He looks pretty good in the 10-yard dash to me, which most of football. Right. Uh for the guys in the front 7, it's a 10-yard sprint. It's really a 10-yard acceleration. And him knowing what's coming, he's able to get there faster. You know, everybody's so worried about his speed and what it means in coverage. I don't see it hurting him that much. How many times do you look and you're like, oh, that was definitely T.J. Edwards' fault because he doesn't run that well. He's fine. He's smart. He overcomes whatever quote-unquote limited athletic ability he has with his brain. Which is what a lot of good players in the NFL do.
0: Hey, final question to you because I know you're an important man, and I appreciate you giving lowly D Gun some time today, as always. But every week, we 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 up we listen to people who want to run Howie Roseman out of town for whatever the case may be, and that's been the the, the mantra for for a long time. But has Howie bought himself a reprieve? for what this team has been able to accomplish when you consider there's a lot of youth that's being counted on to carry the, the weight of this team.
2: Yeah, I actually give Jeffrey Laurie a ton of credit for not bowing into the pressure to get yep. rid of Howie Roseman. I mean, yep. he has had an objectively awesome offseason. We all know some of the picks that weren't great and are highly publicized, right? You know, he took Ortega Whiteside when he could have had D.K. Metcalf. Look, a lot of teams could have had D.K. Metcalf, right? Yep. And he took Rager when he could have had Justin Jefferson. It's bad. I mean, that's a bad pick. But look at some – I mean, are you kidding me with the trade to get Devontae Smith and get the Dolphins' first-round pick to trade down from 6-12 to – I think the Eagles would have taken Devontae at six anyway, and they get yeah. the Dolphins' first-round pick, which will be a mid-round pick because the Dolphins didn't make the playoffs. How about getting Carson a first-round pick for Carson Wentz? Who, by the way, I don't even think is as good as Hurts. And they get a first-round pick and more for him, sc- structuring it that way right. so that they get yeah. that, uh, let alone this year's draft class mm-hmm. with Devontae Smith as a stud. Um, clearly... Landon Dickerson's a stud. I think Kenneth Gainwell is going to be a good player. Milton Williams has impressed me so far. So the draft class looks good. You know, how about getting Darius Slay for third, a third and a, a three and a five? I, I just think everybody focuses in on one or two bad things, right? Uh, which is fair. Every every GM has a batting order, okay? A batting average, I should say. And I can sit there, I can give you some more negatives for Howie. The contract he gave Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, we can do the negatives. I'm just saying, man, In tw- this year, 2021, way more positives than negatives. If you went down and listed it, it's not even close. He's had a great year.
0: I agree with you 100%. Ladies and gentlemen, he is Ross Tucker. Hey, check out the Ross Tucker podcast informative, entertaining. I enjoy it immensely. And follow him on all of his social media platforms, Twitter, uh, Instagram, at Ross Tucker NFL. Ross Tucker, man, I appreciate you giving D-Gun a few minutes on the Gun On One podcast, man. Be well, be safe out there, my brother. Of course, man. You are a legend. I've loved your stuff for a long time. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, don't be surprised if I hit you up during the offseason to talk some more football. Sounds good to me, man. All right, that's gonna ramp up this latest edition of Gun On One powered by Patterson Square Garden. For Ross Tucker, I'm Derek Gunn. Everybody out there, stay blessed, but more importantly, be a blessing to each and every person you encounter on a daily basis. Until next time, so long everybody. Gun On One is a production of D-Gun Enterprises in Patterson Square Garden. Alvin Shabazian and Wes Pendleton are the executive producers on behalf of Patterson Square Garden. Lead producer is Derek Gunn. Associate producer is John McNeil. Sound design, mixing, and mastering by Alvin Shabazian. Original music by Weatherman. For more information about the podcast, visit gunonone.com. And please, don't forget to subscribe and give us a positive rating if you're feeling the show. Thank you.